just want to take this opportunity of welcoming all to the service of thanksgiving for our brother Charlie Cross. And we welcome you in the Saviour's name. Uh, we do thank you for coming. Um, I know that it is a great encouragement, a great support, a source of comfort to our sister Violet and to the Arthur Cross family. We do welcome you, especially if you've come from a distance uh, to be here today. And we thank you again for doing so. If you take your order of service, we're going to stand to sing the first hymn. I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger and felt not my load. Though friends spoke in rapture of Christ on the tree, Jehovah's in Kenya was nothing to me. Let's stand as we sing after the introduction this hymn, please.
Maybe seated. Let's just unite our heart together, please, in a word of prayer. Let's seek the Lord's blessing and presence for our service this afternoon. Our gracious, eternal, loving, heavenly Father, we continue in thy presence in the Savior's precious and all-prevailing name. We thank thee, O God, today that we come to the God of all comfort. We come, Lord, to indeed the Godhead that is mentioned with that word comfort, the God of all comfort, the God, the Son of Consolation, and the Holy Spirit that is known as the Comforter. And, O God, we realize that in the midst of life there is death, and Lord, we would pray that thy presence would be known this afternoon in this house. And thou would come, Lord, and thou would comfort hearts. O God, we thank thee especially for the life and testimony of Charlie Cross. Thank you, Lord, in the words of this hymn of testimony. There was a time when Jehovah sent Kenya was nothing to him. But Lord, we thank Thee there was that time in his life's experience when God by His grace reached down and saved him. And Jehovah in Kenya became everything to Charlie. And oh God, we do not pray for him any longer today. For Lord, we realize it's absent from the body. It's present with Christ, which is far better. We do not sorrow as those who have no hope. We thank the Lord that he has entered in, even to that glory land. And he has seen the King of kings in all his beauty. But Lord, we remember those of us that are left behind. Pray for Violet today. Thank the Lord for his life's partner. Thank the Lord for a faithful helpmate. And oh God, we bless thee for thy child and giving grace not only already today, but over this last number of weeks. And Lord, as she's looked upon a sick one, thou hast been with her, thou hast helped her. And we pray, Lord, that thou would uphold her today, that she might know that underneath the round about her are the everlasting and loving arms of our Saviour and our God. Remember Leslie and Jim, Charlie's brothers. Lord, draw near. Oh God, we know there's a little gap now in the family. And we pray, Lord, that thou would draw near to these hearts. Bind up the broken heart, O oh God. Lord, we pray that thy presence would comfort them. Remember, Lord, the nephews, nieces, those whom Charlie thought a lot of and spoke often about. Lord, we pray that thou would draw near. I would remember them today and their wives, their partners, their families. We ask, O oh God, that thou would, Lord, minister unto each and every one. Pray for neighbors today. Pray, O oh God, for friends today that are here to show their last respects. And we ask, O oh God, that they might be conscious that God is in the midst. They might be conscious that 
The voice of the Lord is speaking above the voice of any preacher. We pray, Lord, for neighbors today, whether they're Protestant, Catholic, or whatever, that I might speak that little word in season. Men and women might consider their latter end. They might seek the Lord while he may be found. Do you ask, Lord, for thy presence with the Holy Spirit might be poured out upon this congregation? Thy word would come with comfort and challenge to each and every heart. Take a moment, Lord, to remember even the undertaker today. Remember Roy, especially his dear wife, taken into hospital earlier on today. We pray that thy hand would be upon them. Thou would comfort. Thou would guide the nurses and the doctors. So, Lord, we do commit our way on to thee. Abide with us. And Lord, we pray that even leaving this funeral service, we might be able to say, the Lord was there. The Lord spoke to my heart. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to read some scriptures. They are, of course, the scriptures of truth. But they are also the scriptures that give us comfort at a time such as this. I want to read some verses from the Psalm 90, beginning at the words of verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And just a few words from Revelation, the last book in the canon of Scripture, chapter 21, the first verse, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, where the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, there's no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, 
Neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he saith unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Amen. Just ending at the end of verse 5. And we know the Lord himself will add his own divine blessing upon the reading of his precious, infallible, inspired word. I wanted this opportunity to take this opportunity and express in our sympathy. On behalf of the session, and the committee and the congregation here of Market Hill Free Presbyterian Church, not least personally myself, we extend our heartfelt sympathies to the entire Cross family at this, their time of sorrow and loss. Our sympathies, of course, go especially to Violet, beloved wife of Charlie, of over 40 years. And we assure Violet of our prayers today and in the days to come. And we do just rejoice in seeing the grace of God that has carried her many a day through and even already this morning. We do express sympathy also to Charlie's brothers Leslie and Jim. They'll miss the brother and we assure them of their prayers. To nephews and nieces, to Nathan, his wife Lynn, Ben, to Sam and Libby, Cassie and Prop and Poppy as well, to Trevor Alexander, Sophie, to Esther and Tony, Elsie Jean and Molly May, and to Sam. And to the wider family circle, we assure you of our prayerful support at this time and holding you before the throne of grace in prayer. On behalf of Violet and the family, they want me to just give a little word of thanks. That is extended firstly to the nursing staff at Ramon House Ward 1 in Craig Avenue Area Hospital. We had a tent mission just in the middle toward the end of August and Charlie was there during that first week many times. It was just during the second week that he was admitted into hospital and latterly he was moved from the main hospital over to Ramon House and he got on very well. Even with all their patients that were next to him he was encouragement to them, helped them. So our thanks go to the staff there, but especially, and I cannot emphasize this enough, to the staff at College Lands Nursing Home in Kinnego. For there, Charlie was there for the last couple of weeks for their care, for their professionalism, for their loving attention given not only to Charlie, but also to the family that came in and out to that wee room. They went beyond their call of duty. And I know the family wants to 
put that on record. And the family are indeed indebted to all at the home. We thank them sincerely. I would also say to you that there's tea afterwards, after the committal in the graveyard. If you want to make just your way across after the service to the hall, feel free to do that. In fact, I would say that that's where you can meet with Violet and greet her. I don't want her standing out in the coldness of the afternoon or maybe the dampness either. And so please remember that and we encourage you uh, to one and all take up that invitation and to go across for a little cup of tea and a further time of fellowship. Before we come to God's word, can we take our order of service and sing the second hymn, please? When my life work is ended and I cross this swelling tide, in the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer. When I reach the other side, and his smile will be the first to welcome me. After the introduction again, let's stand to sing this hymn.
seated. Charlie Cross had his 87th birthday just a few weeks ago while he was in Ramon House. And the birthday cards were stacked on the little counter beside him. He was actually born in Liverpool. But he was a man, of course, most of his days known for the Claddy Road. And I believe in the short time that I have known him, he had a great respect from those very neighbours. I see many of the blinds that were pulled on the way back from the house just this morning. I want to tell you in a few words, men and women, some things that I learned about Charlie. The Apostle Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1 about the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And there are just a few words that would sum up Charlie for me. There was a gentleness with him. He was a softly spoken man. Don't know why he ever raised their voice or not, but he certainly didn't, didn't do it in my presence. He had that quiet and meek spirit. He's one who enjoyed the simple things of life. He worked the land. He had some livestock back in the day. He told me the story of the time where he also labored for the Johnsons and as a delivery man and his boss he was to exhort him and coax him into the driver's seat. And I think he told me he went one other day with him and then he said, Charlie, you're on your own. And Charlie, what to do was to do the deliveries around South Armagh, areas he'd never been in before. But you know, he embraced it. And he said, I met some wonderful people. And they got on well. He was also a forgiven man, forgiving man. He had his troubles. He had the difficulties along life's pathway. Wrongs were done to him, but he always expressed that forgiving spirit. He wasn't a man to hold a grudge. And you know, best of all, not only was he a forgiving man, but he was a forgiven man. A man who knew and loved his Savior. Indeed, men and women, we're at the funeral service this afternoon of a foundational member of this very congregation. He loved the things of God. Indeed, he was a loving man. Not least his life's partner and his wife for over 40 years. 2nd of May, 1981 was when the knot was tied. Charlie had a good sense of humor. And many a time we were in the house and he was joking with Violet. The banter was good. And she gave us good back, of course, being from Belfast. <laughs> but I trust that I've given a little overview. It is a very happy home, very happy marriage. A couple that I know are loved and respected by many, as I've said already, not only the neighbors, but many others. Maybe I'm preaching to some today and you told them that. You told them that. And at his funeral service this afternoon, 
I want to tell you the one he loved. What it is to be saved. What it is to be sure of heaven. For that's where you must be if you're ever going to see Charlie Cross again. Do you understand that? This book doesn't tell us that everyone's going to be in heaven. But Charlie's there. Romans chapter 5. It's obvious that the Apostle Paul is writing about the people of God. He's speaking about those who have been forgiven of their sins. And I draw your attention merely to the opening words of chapter 5 of Romans. And with you I'm able to consider why it is well with Charlie today. For within these words are the blessings that God gives to us in salvation. Let me read verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the first blessing? Peace with God. A man or woman, you know, may have a resemblance of having peace. The psalmist considered the wicked. And if you read the wicked, that word in the Old Testament, men and women, it just means sinner, unsaved, ungodly. And when he considered the wicked, in Psalm 73 and verse 5, he considered they seemed to have much earthly peace and prosperity. He said, For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. They don't seem to have the troubles that the child of God often does. The wicked can have an inward peace. They're able to live with their own conscience. And that is so, even though maybe they've sat under the gospel preaching. That is so, maybe they've been through a Sunday school. Or maybe they have loved ones that knew Christ and were praying for them and witnessed to them. Yet, they have continually rejected God's salvation. And they're lulled to sleep by the very message that ought to have awakened them and troubled their souls. But you know, the psalmist goes even further. For he suggests that the wicked have a resemblance of peace even at their death. Verse 4 and 5 of that same psalm. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Many ungodly men die untroubled by the diseases of the body. They don't have to suffer the pain or the humiliation of them. And yet there are so many of God's dear children and they have the diseases and they have the limitations of the body to contend with. For the ungodly there's appearance that they just slip away unconscious. They have a resemblance of peace both in their wealth, in their life, aye, and even in their death. But mark this, hear me, it's not the peace of God. And it's not the peace with God. As this verse teaches. You see on the contrary it's a false peace. 
which consists in the fact that God is not in all their thoughts. They never think of the God with whom they'll have to do one day, a God of infinite justice. A God whom we read is a thrice holy God who's of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. If the ungodly man or woman would stop to think of these things, if they were to consider these things on their creator God, then I tell you this resemblance of peace would soon be gone. They would tremble. They would shake at the very thought of having to face such a God of whom we read about in the Scriptures. And they then would understand the truth of that text in Isaiah 57 and verse 20, for it says this, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose water cast up mare and dearth. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Dear friend, although there's a resemblance of peace that is false, yet there is the reality of having peace with God. Because that's what I've read in this text of Scripture. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. For man, the sinner sees themselves as God sees them and knows them. Undone, unprepared to meet a holy God, recognizing that we're born into this world as sinners by birth, by nature, by practice. And we can't meet God with our sin and expect to be in heaven. And when that soul realizes where their sin is taking them to, to a lost eternity in hell, and in utter helplessness, and in utter hopelessness, they cry out to God for mercy to save their soul and to pardon them, then what a change takes place. What a transition is wrought which brings the troubled soul out of that deepest anxiety of heart and into peace with God. A peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that the Scriptures remind us over the knowledge of sins forgiven, that my sin God will remember no more and he will never lay them to my charge on that great and final day of his judgment. And you might ask this afternoon, preacher, how can I have this peace with God? That's what I need. It's in my text. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The same way that Charlie found peace with God over 40 years ago in 1980 in the back of a car. Because he was under the preaching of the gospel. And Dr. I.R.K. Paisley had the joy of leading Charlie Cross to the Savior in the back of the old car. For that was the day when God dealt with Charlie. The Spirit of God showed him that he was that sinner. He was that ungodly soul. He was that soul on, way, on the way to hell. And he was one who needed God's salvation. 
How did he come to have peace with God? Just as this text says, by faith, through our Lord Jesus Christ. No man or woman, there's only one way to the Father. It's not through Mary. It's not through saints. It's not through a prelate or a preacher. There's only one way to the Father. That's Jesus Christ. He said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Exclusive. And it is by placing our faith in Christ alone. And the moment the sinner truly believes that pardon from Jesus he receives and God declares that soul justified just as if they'd never sinned. And Carly in 1980 called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save his soul and salvation entered in and he had peace with God. He was justified before God. You know, the day of his funeral is Reformation Day. The great truth of justification was rediscovered 31st of October, 1517. Tell me at this, his funeral service, have you peace with God today? I'm not asking where you hang your hat on the Sabbath. I'm asking, have you peace with God? If you haven't, then come to Christ. Just as he did. Under Christ alone for your salvation. And you will have that peace with God that this verse speaks about. The Lord said in John 14 and 27. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. The world can't give you peace man or woman. Only the Lord can. And you know that peace of God that Charlie knew. Was never to leave him. He had a peace about him, even though it was obvious to the family. And I believe even though it was obvious to himself at times that he wasn't well, he was ill. Yet he had that that peace. Even to his last days. There's a blessing in God's salvation. There's something you need today. If you haven't got it. Something else. Access to God. The unconverted soul does not desire to abide in the presence of the Lord, nor do they desire to have access into such. And so while the unsaved soul may go to church, and while they may go through a form of saying prayers, they are but from the lips outward. But understand that if you do not have access to God down in this earth, then you will not have communion. You will not have access to God in the next world. But dear friend, the message that I bring to your heart today is that there has been a way that has been opened up from the dark paths of sin. There is a way of access that can bring you right into God's presence. And that way of access to God can be enjoyed the same way as peace with God can. For listen to the words of verse 2. It says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. By whom also. 
can we have access to God? It's all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by Him. For one of the signs that He had paid the penalty for sins of His people in His own body on the tree, one proof that He had perfected uh, perfectly fulfilled his demands of, the, of God's holy law on behalf of his people was that when he cried it is finished on the cross when he bowed his head and gave up the coast you know what happened the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom and maybe you don't understand the significance of that you see in the Old Testament times the saints could not go in beyond that veil where the Ark of the Covenant was. God's presence was there in the Shekinah glory. That curtain, it spoke no entrance. Only once a year in the Day of Atonement would the high priest with the shed blood go beyond that veil and sprinkle the blood before and upon the mercy seat as an atonement for the sins of the people. Those Old Testament sacrifices and those offerings that were made, men and women, they all pointed forward in time to the once for all sacrifice for sin that God's Lamb would wrought on Calvary's tree. And there the Lord Jesus Christ, He paid the price of man's redemption. He made atonement for our sin by the shedding of His own precious blood. What does that mean for you and I? It means that where before there's no access, there now is. And that night when by faith Charlie came to Christ and the Lord found his sheep that was lost, that was the night that he first enjoyed that access to God. Romans 10 and verse 13 tells us, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can put your name in there. Charlie Cross put his name in there. And God heard his cry. For the Lord said, Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Oh, the grace of God that reaches to a sinner and saves them and enables them to come and stand before God as a sinner saved by His grace. You see, that's the position of the believer in Christ. It is accessed by faith into this grace wherein we stand. He's able to stand before God where before He couldn't. In the very presence of the God who commands the angels, in the very presence of God who upholds this world by the word of his power, who will speak the word one day and this old world will be wrapped up like a curtain and time shall be no more. The pardoned sinner is able to stand before God. This is only the shell, men and women. This is only the old body. The real Charlie is gone. His soul is with Christ, which is far better. He's able to stand before God today. Why? Because of who he was as a gentleman. Because he came to this church. Because of something else that he did. No. All because of Jesus Christ. All because of the Savior that he loved. The one who declared him just and pardoned from all his sin and accepted in the beloved. 
Charlie Cross no longer was depending upon the rags of self-righteousness to get him to heaven. The religiosity, the churchianity, the good works are depending upon those things to make him right with God and one day get into heaven. No. My friend, when he called upon the Lord to save him in 1980, the great exchange was made. God took the old filthy rags off him and he clothed him with Christ's spotless garment of righteousness. That's what we've been singing about. Jehovah's in Kenya, Christ my righteousness. He's everything to me. My friend, that is what happened that night. He became a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things passed away. Behold, all things become new. And you know, from that day, he continued to enjoy that access before the Lord. Charlie was a man of prayer. And I tell you, as the minister of this church, wasn't that long ago Charlie Cross was in the prayer meeting on a Thursday night. I knew how to pray. And he prayed for his family. He prayed for those that came in to see him. He prayed for those that he called with as well as those in this congregation. And on Sunday past, God called him up higher, and today he stands in the realm of glory. wonder will you join him one day? He says, there is a blessing the child of God knows. We have access to God. Thirdly, there's a hope of glory. The child of God enjoys the hope of glory. Verse 2 says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When we consider hope, you know, it's a word today that is desirable by everyone. The worldly man lives for the hope of tomorrow that will bring him more joys and those things that he desires. The farmer that goes out to sow the field, he lives in the hope that one day he'll get a good harvest from it. The mother with a babe in arms, her hope is that that little child will grow to be a strong young man or young woman and even be a help to her in future times. A father hopes that his children will never bring shame upon him or his family. You see, men and women, these are all hopes. And even the ungodly desire those hopes. They are hopes of earthly things. They're all realized this side of the grave. They're at best the hopes of men. But you see, what is described in verse 2 in the words that I read is the hope of the glory of God. It's the hope of beyond this world. It is that of eternal life. To be in heaven with God. And yes, even the ungodly, even the unsaved soul, hopes that when their time comes to die, that somehow all the good things that they have done will outweigh the bad things and will persuade God to allow them to get into heaven. That's how many people think today. Somehow God will forgive me. 
Is that you today? And I warn you, that's a false hope. For you see, God can't go back on his word. And you know what the Lord says? The Lord said, you must be born again. And he told that to a religious boy. A Pharisee. He said, you must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He has said that there shall in no wise enter into it, into heaven, anything that defileth. It could be, dear loved one, that you're being deceived out of this hope of glory. Whether it's by the so-called friends that you think would laugh at you if you went and told them in the workplace tomorrow, I've got right with God. Or even the false message that your good works will get you to glory or money or something else that some man or church may even say. My friend, at the funeral service of a saved, justified man, I just tell you the message of God's salvation through the glorious person and work of God's dear Son because that is the only message that gives the sinner definitive hope of glory. And the word hope in the Scriptures is not the lesser word that we would use it today. It speaks of that which is assured. It's certain. And that's the message that Charlie accepted by faith. The message of God's salvation alone gives the soul assurance at conversion. They will be in God's heaven when they die. I don't want you going away taking it from me. You just listen to the words of 1 John 5 and verse 13. It says this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you know, man or woman, you can be assured of heaven as if you're already there. Because that's what God's salvation gives to us. That's what Christ purchased for us on Calvary's cross through the shedding of his own blood. He said in that familiar passage, we didn't read it, I've already quoted from a John 14, verse 2 and 3. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. There's the assurance. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to his own disciples. He's speaking to the little church. Judas was already gone to do his evil work. He was never converted. He was never saved, born again. He's just speaking to the remaining 11. And that's the assurance and hope that Charlie possessed. He was ready to meet death. He had no fear of it, as he expressed to me in many visits. He spoke easily of the things of God and how the Lord had been good to him through his life. He understood that if it was the Lord's time for him to die, then he was sure that he would be with the Lord, which is far better. You see, that's the hope that he possessed because of his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he had done for him and what is revealed to us throughout many promises that are found in the Scriptures. The gospel hope of the glory of God became a reality for Charlie early on Sunday morning. 
our God who doeth all things well, called him home to glory. And he entered into the joy of his Lord. There's no more pain. There's no more tears. There's no more heartache. He swept through the gates of that heavenly Jerusalem, depending on Christ having been pardoned and washed in the Savior's precious blood. And that, my friend, is the only place that you'll ever see him again. Would you not desire to join him in that great number one day, singing the praises unto the Lamb who was slain? Worthy is the Lamb I was slain. You can have the blessings of these verses now. Peace with God. Access to God. And with the assurance that when my time comes to an end on this earth, or when the Lord comes, I have the assurance of heaven one day. I have the assurance of the glory of God. You can have that blessing now. If you will repent of your sin, repentance and faith, repentance of your sin, turning from it, and turning by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Just do what Charlie did. Ask the Lord into your heart. Take away your sin to forgive you, pardon you. And man or woman, you love the blessings that these two verses speak to you about. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Don't harden your heart. Come now. God can save you at a funeral service. He saved Charlie Cross in the back of a car. And thank God he's still the mighty to save. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this afternoon. For his own name's sake, I'd like you to take the order of service to sing the final hymn. When Israel out of bondage came, a sea before them lay, the Lord reached down his mighty hand and rolled the sea away. After the introduction, let's stand. As we sing this hymn, just remaining standing, please, after the hymn, as the remains will be carried out as we go to the graveyard.
God, we thank Thee for Thy presence. We thank the Lord for the glorious hope of the gospel. We thank the Lord for that day and hour when you reached down by Thy grace and saved Charlie. They had peace with God. They had access to God. And he's now standing before the Lord, clothed in Christ's righteousness. And oh, Father, we thank the Lord that the gospel alone gives us the hope of the glory of God. And I pray, Lord, that I might speak on and the preacher's voice is silent. For there are those, Lord, no doubt in this congregation, and they love Charlie. But they'll never see him again unless they're saved, unless they're born again. And pray, Lord, that I would minister unto hearts. But, Lord, do minister especially to her sister Violet. Thank thee for her. Help her, Lord. Bless, Lord, as we'd make our way to the graveyard. And in a little time of fellowship following, bless the good things to our bodies. Bring us to our homes in safety. And Lord, we pray that thy grace will be given to the family in the days that lie ahead, in the days when the people don't call, the days, Lord, when the chair seems so empty. And Violet longs for that hand that is now still and that voice that speaks no more. O God, draw near, we pray. Meet her at the point of her need. For we ask these things in our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen.